go, yes, we roll the stage. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 360, 360, 360 degrees, high, Good evening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Wichine, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known as Settlers, is Berkeley, California. For tonight's live show, we will be recognizing April as both National Poetry Month and Sexual Assault Awareness Month with powerful word about sexual assault. And we'll also be bringing you an interview I did with Gabriel, Gabriela Mejia from I Hollaback featuring tips on how you can stay safe in the streets. All that tonight on Full Circle. My name is Vilma V, coming to you live from the KPFA studios. Keep it locked right here on 94.1. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Vilma V, and I'm a graduate apprentice. And guess what? I get to be your host tonight. So before I jump into the show, I wanted to thank all of you who gave generously as we celebrated our 72nd birthday yesterday. Thank you for your continued support of this community radio station. We would not exist without you. That is a fact. So thank you so much for your generous donations yesterday in celebration of 72 years of KPFA. I also want to give out a trigger warning for this evening's show. We will be discussing sexual assault and give out some bystander intervention tips with my guests from I Holla Back. So please be mindful about how this content, how this content may affect you. Um, so forewarned. And finally, though we're going to play recorded spoken word and the interview, I am actually live in the KPFA studios, which means I can open up the phone lines to get your comments and thoughts about our subject matter tonight. Is men's violence against women preventable? Can our culture be changed? Can our culture be changed for the better? Keep this in mind as we go forward with tonight's show. Let's start with the spoken word in honor of National Poetry Month. I'm going to play a piece from Atang Agwe, who is a young multimedia journalist, storyteller, photographer, and spoken word poet, written by Agwe in response to the tragic rape and murder of a 19-year-old University of Cape Town student. Her name was Uyinene Moetyanya, known as Nene. So back in 2019 in South Africa, Nene's murder sparked a renewed movement against gendered violence in South Africa and launched what was known as the hashtag AmINext movement all across the country. Her murderer turned out to be an employee of the postal office where she had simply gone to pick up a package. And when she arrived to the post office, the employee told her to come back later in the day, which she did. She returned and the office was closed and she ended up being attacked, raped and murdered by this employee. He then disposed of her body by burning it. He was eventually caught and confessed. He confessed in November of 2019 
and received three life sentences for the rape and murder of Nene. So let's take a listen. Let's start right off with uh, this spoken word piece. It is again written by Atang Agwe. And this is in response. She's also, Atang is also from South Africa. And this is also in response to Nene's death and the crisis of gendered violence. It really happens around the world. So let's, let's take a listen to that spoken word piece by Atang Agwe. Tell her again how she was asking for it. How the length of her dress was a subtle yes and her no meant she was playing hard to get. How her unflirtatious smile gave green light to your greed. You were blinded by lust and you wanted to read her body like braille through touch, but she didn't open like a book. So like a crook, you took her from the safety of her shelf, judged the cover of her clothing. You listened to her screams and sung along as if they were lyrics. Her tears illustrated your actions. You perverted her pages and changed her chapters and she left you punctuation marks on your face, shoulders, chest. She was found with fragments of your skin under her nails, the fragrance of your aggression still lingering on her neck. And that's even if she lived to tell her story. I think of Bathsheba whose bathing body David caught as captive, killing her husband and subjecting her to the wishes of a king. Unable to resist an authority, she couldn't even mourn before having her clothes torn by the very man her husband was fully devoted, bearing, birthing, and bearing a baby born of trauma, but the assault wasn't her fault. Tell him again how he could have fought back, how his physical strength was more than enough evidence, so he must have given consent that his muscle mass made him more man than victim, so you ripped him of his truth. Men can't get raped. That's a woman's trait. Because sexual assault is also sexist and depends on what your sex is. You see, if a woman assaults a man, there's often no consequence. In the end, he is told he should consider it compliment. It was an act that should boost his confidence. But if a man assaults another man, Shame would be the shadow that needs no shine to show or follow. I think of Lot, whose own daughters drowned him in drunkenness and used his body to continue their lineage as if God wouldn't have extended their generations in a more honorable manner if only they had waited. Instead, they resulted to rape and incest. But the assault was not his fault. I have come to find out that there is no justice, just moral restrictions. We sit before judges who blame the victims. One minute they side with them, the next they side with sin. They ask you to speak your truth. And in the next breath, they become vulture, picking at the flesh of whatever strength you have left until you give up and remain silent. But I serve a God who will not rest until your case is reopened, until those who did you unrepentant harm come to know him as both Alpha and Avenger. He will not surrender. And those who watched you weep in silence, he was still your contender because our bodies were bought by the blood for rebirth, not for the benefit of unwanted advances from sexual predators. Unresolved childhood traumas manifest and grown men and women who had no input to their introduction to intimacy, some too young to even identify what was being done to their bodies before it was even done. And we call them babysitters, uncles, aunts. We call them parents, pastors, protectors, professors. We call them predators. We march and one by one we say, me too, but the cycle continues. Why does the cycle continue? At what point do we hold each other accountable for our sins being a choice without excusing each other
other for being young, hormonal, drunk, high, woman, skirts, shorts, thigh. I will not be content until I no longer have to disguise my Afro pick or my lipstick as a weapon. I do not want to glamorize my need for protection because the assault is not my fault. My body is still temple even when the doors are locked. These stained glass windows were never yours to paint, so yes, it's a problem when you brush up against me, especially in a crowded place. My body is not your playground, so no, I will not let this slide, and yes, I will cause a scene. Especially if that's what it takes to be seen, I will cause a scene, because growing up woman, it was normal to entertain seeds. Subtle gestures from men, I questioned them, but figured it wasn't what I thought it was, because there's no way he was flirting with me. And there's no way he meant to touch me that low or hug me that close. It was an accident. It was a joke. No. Not anymore. I will make it known when you make me uncomfortable. Because my female intuition is a superpower, not a superstition. A gift from God to expose the fakes, the fools, and the frauds. If seeing me incites your urge to sin, then gouge out your eyes. Because me speaking up might be dramatic, it might be paranoid, or it might just save another woman's life. Powerful words. Welcome back, Faye. My name is Vilma V, and that was spoken word artist Atang Agwe. And the piece was titled Spoken Word, A Touchy Subject. She also writes that until valuing, honoring, and respecting one another becomes second nature, we will continue to pray and we will continue to protest. This is for Uyineni and all the men, women, and children who've been a victim of sexual violence, as well as those who no longer have voices to speak for themselves. So let's continue on this subject of men's violence against women with my next guest, Gabriela Mejia. Are you with me, Gabriela? Hi, hello. Yes, I'm here. Oh, that's great. Gabriela Mejia is a writer, trainer, and a social media content curator at Hollaback. She is a graduate of Fordham University, where she earned a degree in Latin American Studies and International Studies. She also is a baker, a storyteller, and an avid reader who believes that through creativity, our culture can change for the better. Gabriela, let's start with um, let's start with your thoughts about what you just heard. Mm, I thought that was so powerful and it really made us made me think about our mission at Hollaback um and really about all the stories I've read because we collect we've been collecting stories of harassment these past 15 years so a lot of those examples you know like brushing against up against someone made me think about the stories I've read um and that are just so common and have been and still are yeah, it's a sort of um, experience of all women all across cultures, unfortunately. So let's start with a big question here. Is gendered violence preventable? That That is a big question. And I actually have thought a lot about, a, about this question and about the gender violence, harassment happening around us and how it escalates. And I do think it is. I think gender violence is preventable there can be an end to that in our communities if there is culture change. So for culture to change, mm. we need everyone to be on board and everyone to be taking action because gender violence doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen out of nowhere. It happens because there's a culture of disrespect 
in in our communities. And talk a little bit more about that, because I know you're a trainer for Hollaback and you're talking to groups all the time and training about this. Tell us a little bit about how the the role that culture can play in preventing gendered violence. Right. So in a culture of disrespect, we what we've noticed is that there are microaggressions that can often escalate into harassment and harassment often can escalate into violence. What we see microaggressions show up as are jokes on social media or in person or cultural things that we all have a stake in, but we just take for granted and see as normal. So when harassment, microaggressions are normalized, that's when the the risk of violence increases. Yeah, and talk more about that normalization because I, I, I feel the big word patriarchy looming over what we're talking about mm. um, because I think that's definitely a part of our culture. So talk a little bit more about that normalization. Yeah, when we normalize, so like you said, the word patriarchy and also racism are normalized in our culture in really insidious ways and in ways that aren't always overt and ways that can show up as in in street harassment can show up as looks to intimidate, to sexualize, to objectify someone. They can also show up online as jokes, like I've said, that othering that happens on social media where you objectify a person's body or a person's skin color and you call it a joke and so they shouldn't take it seriously. Mm. That is not just being consumed and happening with adults. But what we found is that harassment often happens, of course, to women, but also to young people. So it is happening from when we're young to when we're older. And once we're very old, we think that's the way things have always been. Yeah. Yeah, and we end up teaching our daughters how to be safe rather than teaching our men how not to harm. Yeah, and that's the conversation that we've seen normalized. This conversation around gender violence being women's problem and harassment in general being women's problem. And I can tell you that, not from my experience, but from all the accounts I've read, harassment is not just women's problem. It affects our whole community. It, of course, affects women in financial ways, in social ways, in internal mental health ways. But it affects our community because when you are witnessing other people harass other folks, you're not going to be a tight-knit community. You're not going to trust each other to show up for each other. And if you are walking out in, from in, into your community and you want to maybe be friendly with strangers, be closer to your neighbor, but you feel like that being friendly to a stranger may make them harass you or encourage that, your community is not going to be the safest it can be for anyone. That's an excellent point because it's a really subtle thing um, to be able to tie the harassment you feel on the street, you know, the spectrum from someone catcalling you to someone actually assaulting you. So I love the link you make there. Tell us, because I know you're a trainer 
and I, I want to get into some bystander tips. But before that, before a bystander, do you have some tips about how a woman just going out and about in the world can stay safe? Particularly, I'm thinking about Asian women who in the last few weeks have been subject to some horrific attacks. I'm thinking about the one that happened in New York just recently where they were actually security guard men who shut the door and did not help. So do you have some advice about how women can stay safe while they're going about in public? Yes, I do. And I can quickly go over some of what I think is the most important, but in in detail, we go over that in, in our training. Of and course, specifically, yeah. we have a training about the Asian American and Asian experience of harassment. But the main takeaway, if you're listening and you experience harassment and you're wondering, what should I do? Or you think you may experience harassment in the future, trust your instinct. So, Trusting your instinct can mean, it can mean anywhere actually, just getting out of a situation that you feel is going to escalate and maybe there's not other people around you to help. So getting out of your situation, that can be trusting your instinct and that is the correct response if it's keeping you safe and if it's what your instinct and your gut is telling you. But trusting your instinct can also be reclaiming your space. And I can tell you that that means different things depending on the situation. It can mean engaging bystanders around you. A lot of people get stuck in the bystander effect where they're waiting for someone else to do something. So you being that person to engage others and asking for help is going to get you that help because you can be specific about what you want from them. You can also reclaim your space by documenting what's happening. And that can be a great tool to raise awareness and to report what happened to you and to reclaim that space and make it obvious that this is not just staying in this moment. This is going to be shared out maybe on social media. And another way to reclaim your space is addressing the harassment directly. Now, any of these, I stress to please consider your safety. But if you do feel like you're safe enough to say something and maybe your mind goes blank like, like mine has done in the past, a good way to you know, construct the sentence is to address what's going on, ask for it to stop. Or if you can't even get there, call it what it is, call it harassment. So please stop yelling comments at me across the street. You're harassing me. And that is responding to that harassment. That's something that you can do in the moment. But if you're trusting your instinct and you want to get out of the situation and you feel like it's not, you're not safe to do something in the moment, our research with Cornell has found that a response even afterwards can have a positive effect from healing from the trauma of harassment, which all these small instances are going to hurt. So harassment is going to have an effect. So I want you to deal with what happens by looking at it, addressing it, and knowing that it, it sucked, it hurt, but also doing something to take care of yourself afterwards. You already know how to take care of yourself, so I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, I really like that advice about listening to your intuition. I think sometimes women are socialized to not be rude or exactly what you're saying, not to take up too much space. So if you're feeling your intuition, oh, I don't want to get on the elevator, but you don't want to be rude. The thing is, don't get on the elevator. Don't go to the parking garage right now. If that little voice is you know, needling you saying something, you have to act on it. I totally agree with what you're saying. and It sounds very prudent. How about now if you can give us some 
bystander tips that if we are not the subject of harassment, but we're witnessing it, what can people do that doesn't actually put them, of course, in danger and makes things worse? But give us some of the tips that if you're a witness, what people can do. Yes. So I think that being a witness to harassment, it gives you an opportunity, really. That's what I think. It gives you an opportunity to change the culture in this very small scale, right? But to change the culture, but also to just show up for someone in a way that you'd like others to show up for you. And what we formulated a few years back are the five D's of bystander intervention. And I'm going to run through them very quickly for more detail to your training, of course. But the first D that we share, and they're all in order, and we were conscious about that order, which is the first D is distract. So create a distraction that's going to bring an end to that harassment. And there are many ways that people get creative using this D, but my favorite one that I've heard is this person that went up to someone and pretended they they knew her and they were like, oh, I haven't seen you in such a long time. How's your mom doing? What are you doing right now? Do you want to get out of here? When yeah, there's TikTok videos up, about that one. Yes, and I actually, I feel like a lot of us can't can do that in situations, but also feel like maybe we're not that creative. We're not that extroverted. And distress can also be just going up to someone and asking for direction, building community with them, making sure that they know they're not alone. So that's distract. Next is delegate. So maybe you're a bystander and you feel like you share the same identity as the person being harassed and the harassment may turn on you. So you are not putting yourself in a safe situation if you directly intervene. So Delegate just means asking for help. And I want you, if if that resonated with you at all, I want you to consider delegate because you can ask for help from other bystanders. And as soon as more people are involved, things de-escalate. But you can also ask for help from someone in the position of authority. There's a lot of people whose job it is to keep public spaces safe for us. So that could be the manager. That could be your teacher. A lot of folks are meant to to take control of these situations so you can ask for help. Then there's document, and this is instinctual to a lot of us, to take our phone out, take a picture, take a video. I want you to keep in mind that document can also be taking notes, very detailed notes, but whatever form of documentation you choose, I want you to always remember to give it to the person who's been harassed. You are giving them back power after that moment it was just taken away from them, and they can choose to report with that documentation, they can choose to to post it on social media or for no one to ever see it again. Because harassment can be, it can hurt us and we don't want others to see it sometimes. Then delay quickly is offering support. And this is actually very, very powerful because harassment, like I mentioned before, it hurts, it sucks. And at worst, we can internalize what's happened. So we can think it's our fault somehow or internalize the words that are being said to us. So I want you to remember that your words, even just a knowing glance, we've found helps in the healing from the harassment. So when you go up to that person and you tell them, hey, I saw what happened, it's not okay. What can I do to, to make you feel safer right now? What, what do you need from me? That is having a powerful effect and it's always necessary. And my last one, and we, we set this one as the last one on purpose, is direct. And that's often what we think about when we want to intervene, directly addressing what's going on, calling it out for what it is. And 
often direct is right if you feel safe enough to do it, but it's not. But if it's not right, I want you to consider any of the other Ds. So direct is to directly address what's going on in a way that's going to de-escalate the situation to keep that person safe, and then turn to that person who's been harassed and ask them what they need from you. I don't want you to get into an argument because what you may be doing is escalating a situation where that person isn't safe anymore and you're not showing up to support them. So use direct to de-escalate a situation and take care of that person. And those are the five Ds. And there's a, a few more tips that you can find about them in our training. Great. That is the voice of Gabriela Mejia. She's a writer, trainer, and a social media content curator at Hollaback. She's my guest. My name is Vilma V. Those were great. Those five Ds on how to safely be a bystander and intervene if you can safely distract, delegate, delay, document, and directly get yourself involved. I'm going to ask you about the role of men in all this because it is, after all, men's violence against women. But before that, I'm going to play one other spoken word piece. This one is written by a man. His name is Jeremy Loveday, and it is called Challenge to Men, Take Your Masks Off. It's all too familiar. Fault lines written by tongues, bitten by silence. Thoughts formed when we weren't searching for violence in our questions, our suggestions. It's all too familiar. What was she wearing? Was she walking alone? She shouldn't have drank so much. She should have been more careful. She shouldn't have, she should have, she like it was her fault. Like gender violence isn't a man's issue. Like men can't help themselves. Like the responsibility for one's own actions doesn't fall on one's own shoulders. Like men don't have the power to change how men act. And remember as a young teen learning the facts, one in three, one in three made me sick. How could men like me do this? They couldn't. I thought they, they couldn't. They must be monsters. They must be monsters. Monsters in the masks of men. Monsters in the masks of men. Rearrange their faces until I can no longer see myself in them. Monsters. And I remember going to a party in East Vancouver and seeing a patch on my friend's jacket that said, Stop Rape. The message so clear, so inarguably simple, and yet it left a bad taste because it jarred me from my place of comfort because it reminded me of the reality we all face and that initial reaction my initial reaction was me choosing silence therefore allowing for violence and that was a clear case of the culture of rape and i remember in the dress room cheering along as a teammate proclaimed that in victory we had raped the other team or in the lunchroom when I'm, my boss made a sexist joke and I said nothing. Or yesterday when I pulled on an article of clothing and referred to it as a wife beater. This culture of violence touches us all. And by dismissing perpetrators as monsters, it allows us not to analyze our own actions. Men, take your masks off. Men, take responsibility. Men, open your mouths wider. Show more than your teeth. There was a softness in your throat waiting to be freed. Men, we are responsible for the vast majority of violence. Men, it's an epidemic. Men, 
don't think that it has to be this way. Men, if you could make the world safer for the women you love, for all women, children, and men, wouldn't you? Men, you can. Men, we need you to be courageous, to speak up, and to be more than a bystander. Men, put your masks down. Men, let's look each other in the eyes. Men, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. Welcome back. My name is Vilma Vidin. That was Jeremy Loveday and Mazo Media with their challenge to men to take their masks off if they're serious about ending gendered violence. I'm going to be opening the phone lines for your engagement, for your call-ins, questions, comments, and the number to call, you can call right now, 1-800-958-9008, 1-800-958-9008. Gabby, what are your thoughts? I know we both know the incredibly important role men need to play in preventing gendered violence. What What are your thoughts after hearing that piece? Mm, that piece, I, I thought it was really interesting how the use of of language, how it's mentioned in that piece. It makes me think of how normal it is to see depictions of harassment on screen and in in ways that we we don't identify it as harassment. So it makes me think of how for culture change, we need men to step up, like you said, to take their mask off, to join in to be active bystanders and to use those privileges to speak up in male-dominated spaces where maybe other women aren't around to speak up about something wrong and and address it for what it is, which is harassment. And in your experience in giving a lot of training to different folks and definitely men, what what are their thoughts? What do they tell you about being a bystander, being able to intervene, and and even just everyday harassment—not even a man just really being violent with women, but just a catcalling. What what have you heard when you're out there training folks? Mm, I've definitely seen folks be concerned about their their role as bystanders and inserting themselves into a situation where you know there's two two main concerns I see. Some say, "What if this person? What if I use?" distract and this person thinks I'm now harassing them. I'm showing up to try to pick them up or harass them, right? So I hear that and what I always share is that when you show up to support someone, you can tell that you're there to support. When you show up to be try to be a hero and and, and it's all about your experience, you can also tell. So if you show up with the right intention and you show up with the aim to support someone and that's what your action is doing, then you can have a very big effect in keeping them safe. And I also see some folks worry that their privilege may make them a white male savior. And what I say to that, again, Mm. is that if you are showing up with that concern and your intention is to be this person of privilege helping someone out, I want you to take a back to think about your role as just another person helping another person because we do it all the time already. We do bystander intervention all the time and we don't even think about it. So take a D, think about how, how you may use it in the future and show up in those moments where it's needed. And that's what I would say 
to men showing up as bystanders. All right. I'm hoping that folks will show up and get engaged in this conversation. The number to call is 1-800-958-9008. We're talking about Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is in April. So happy April, everyone. And it's also National Poetry Month. So we've delved into a little bit about spoken word around gendered violence. Gabby, when you talk about people, their reaction after, can you talk a little bit about even if you don't do anything in the moment, but you can document or that recovery from it, even if you don't have that great comeback line. Right. That's definitely something I've experienced as well. And that's what brings me and a lot of the people in my organization to this work. The fact that we experience harassment like many other folks. And I've definitely been there where I think about the perfect words I should have said, but I've already walked away or I rushed off and didn't say anything. And what I want, if you've ever thought that, just know that whatever response you had in that moment is what was right for you. It's what kept you safe. And afterwards, after harassment happens to you, any time it happens in the future, after it happens, I want you to take care of yourself by practicing resilience. So what that means is, like I said, acknowledge that it hurt, but then heal from that. So we heal in very creative ways, and that's what I love about resilience. I heal by journaling. I know other folks heal by sharing with others and telling their story to others, sharing that burden. Others heal by listening to music or creating music. Other people heal by looking at, you know, words or mantras or scripture, all these things that feed their soul. So we are already practicing resilience all the time as well. But it's about being conscious to practice it after we're hurt to heal from that and to not carry that with us. Because I've also heard folks who carry stories for years with them because they felt like they couldn't tell anyone. So if that's the resilience you need to practice to tell someone else, then do that for yourself. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And in your work, you all talk about tackling harassment at its root and at its center and by moving beyond the simplistic framework of victim and perpetrator. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, we're hoping that people will go to their phones, 1-800-958-9008. You can go ahead and do it now because the lines are open, 1-800-958-9008. Tell us a little bit about that moving beyond the, the framework of victim and perpetrator. So that is, I think, something you may find very interesting because for us, that means the focus on folks, not as literally using those words victims and perpetrators, but to focus on them by using who they are, who are people experiencing harassment and people doing the harassment. So we're not calling people targets. We're not calling them victims because that is really a role that people take for themselves. So a lot of folks are uncomfortable being called victims. But to respect that, and to be conscious of the words we're using, we call them people who have been harassed because that's not defining, harassment isn't defining who we are and our identity in the real world. So that's not how we want to communicate it. As we do our work of training and delivering free trainings and also trainings for workplaces, trainings for all kinds of communities where we're teaching people these tools that they can just call up when they need in moments of harassment and step up um, and make sure it's never seen as something acceptable in whatever space they, they, they are in. 
Welcome back. To, you are listening to Full Circle here on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. My name is Vilma V, and you just heard an interview with Gabriela Mejia from I Hollaback, along with Spoken Word in honor of National Poetry Month by Atang Agwe and Jeremy Loveday. His poem was urging men to care more about their violence against women and their role in it. Very significant role. So I'm live tonight on Full Circle and waiting to hear your thoughts and comments. The number to call is 1-800-958-9008. Um, let's, let's go forward with Richard. Richard in Oakland. Go ahead, Richard. You're on Full Circle. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I know I'm a guy calling in at this moment, but I've actually been violated twice myself sexually. Excuse me, and no one has ever come to my aid. However, I, um, I in my life, have, have, excuse me, a little, I'm, I've never really talked openly about this. Um, but I have stood up and been there and defended others, virtually 100% women, when they were being harassed by men and and I have later been approached by other men in the vicinity who thanked me and said that it gave them courage. I would say more, but I'm choking up. I'm sorry. Richard, thank you so much for sharing. And I appreciate you taking the time to share your vulnerability about what it's been like for you to stand up and to be a survivor. So my heart goes out to you. Thank you so much for calling us and sharing the story. Men are as vulnerable as women. They just, you know, kind of hide it. But um, this ending sexual assault, ending violence takes both men and women and both men men and women, of course, the majority are women who are the victims, but we've got to expand our definition of, uh, or in our mind, the definition of what it means to be a victim of sexual assault and not to always jump that it's a woman. Men suffer too. So, all right, I'm going to take one more call. Uh, Louis from Watsonville. Go ahead, Louis. You're on full circle. Go ahead, Louis. you got to turn down your radio because you got to listen to me and not the radio. Sounds good. Go ahead, Louis. Okay, I don't know if he's there with us. I'm live tonight on Full Circle, waiting to hear your thoughts and comments. Louis, are you with us? Hi. Go ahead. Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Go um, ahead. I just wanted to ask about any thoughts and opinions on the, um, I guess, the way that sexual violence is shown through the media, like, for example, raising awareness through film. Um, the first that comes to mind is, like, maybe Precious and just how it's so able to be traumatizing for survivors. And I'm wondering what your take is on that and if it's a positive or if it's more complex than that. Um, I agree it's very disturbing, some of the representations in film about this issue. But I think that, you know, that's their Baldwin, James Baldwin quote, uh, quote that um, not every problem that, that you face can be solved, but no problem can be solved until you face it. So I think it's important that we continue a conversation about men's violence against women, the general violence in our society. We just had another mass shooting. 
uh, yet, last night. So I think that it, this is a difficult subject, but we can't shy away from it and deal and deal with it because otherwise we'll never solve it. So I appreciate you calling and and yeah, this is a difficult thing to talk about on a Friday night here, but we're doing it. I'm live tonight on Full Circle. I'm waiting to hear your thoughts and comments. The number to call is 1-800-958-9008. Phones are open and while we're waiting for your calls to come in at 1-800-958-9008, let's listen to this very pertinent commentary Given the subject of tonight's show, it was written and produced by the, a current apprentice, her name is Deanna Levy, uh, about another aspect of men's violence against women, coercive control. Let's take a listen to her commentary right now. I'm going to ask you a question, and you don't have to answer it now, but I just want you to think about it. The question is, how free do you feel? We've been in lockdown for more than a year now because of the pandemic, and that feels anything but free, right? We can't go out and do the things we used to do. It's constricting, but stay home, stay safe. It's good advice. We don't want to catch COVID. But what if home isn't safe? There are people whose lives have become more dangerous because of the shutdown. And those are people, women, children, even men, anyone can be affected by this. Those are people who are experiencing intimate partner violence. And when I say violence, I don't just mean physical assault, although that can certainly be a factor. I'm also referring to the more subtle psychological and financial abuse used against a victim to keep them quiet and under control. It's known as coercive control, which is a pattern of acts used repeatedly to intimidate and isolate someone over time. That could mean threats of physical violence against you or someone you love. That could mean forbidding you to leave the house and destroying your stuff if you do. It could mean undergoing a daily barrage of insults meant to chip away at your self-esteem or keeping such a tight handle on your finances that you can't spend money to get away or do what you want. Does any of that sound like freedom to you? It doesn't to me. Before the pandemic, before quarantine and social distancing, a vulnerable person experiencing abuse in the home had more opportunities to see friends, family, coworkers, people they could reach out to for help or who might notice something is wrong. They had easier access to resources providing assistance for people seeking to leave a situation like theirs. Without being under the constant eye of their abuser, they could contact a crisis hotline or leave and apply for a protective order. And this isn't an unusual circumstance that just happens to people you don't know. It's a crisis, a sickness within the pandemic. The World Health Organization estimates that one in three women worldwide have experienced intimate partner violence in their lifetimes. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report that nearly one in 10 men have suffered this abuse in their lifetimes and that at least one in seven children this year have experienced abuse and neglect. While these victims may have physical bruises you can see, they also might not. There might not be any obvious proof to the naked eye that they are being injured, but they are suffering from emotional pain and manipulation that can lead to anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and post-traumatic stress affecting the rest of their lives. So let me ask you again, how free do you feel? Are you able to talk to who you want, spend your money how you like, and come and go as you please without fear of repercussions? Even if you have your answer, you don't have to do anything about it right now. Just think about it for a little bit. Or let's say you're thinking about someone you know who might need to ask themselves that question. Red flags could be that their self-esteem has dropped and they seem constantly fearful and anxious, are increasingly apologetic and meek and stop participating in activities they like. You don't have to say anything to them just yet. But think about what you might say. Take it step by step. 
Maybe read some articles about coercive control and domestic abuse, watch some programs, read a book, and know, most of all, that there is help. There are people who understand. You are not alone. And when you are ready, reach out to organizations that are meant to help, like the California Partnership to End Domestic Violence at cpedv.org, or call the Crisis Hotline for Oakland's A Safe Place at 510-536-7233. For Full Circle, this is Deanna Levy. All right. You welcome back to Full Circle. My name is Vilma V, and that was Deanna Levy with her commentary that she produced. I'm very proud to say, under my instruction, since I got to teach the commentary class to the latest cohort of apprentices, and they're fabulous. So you're going to be hearing more from that amazing group of apprentices in the future. They're currently going through their training. Really exciting group. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm talking about Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and I'm talking about National Poetry Month, all that happens in April. I'm looking for your call-in comments, thoughts, 1-800-958-9008, and uh, we can talk more about this subject. All right, I'm going to start with Mark. Mark, you're on full circle. Go ahead. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for the great show. Um, uh, I just wanted to say that when I was younger and I got a chance to hang out with what I thought were pretty cool, enlightened people, uh, and I thought I was being sensitive, you know, to issues around, you know, oppression of women and stuff. You know, I thought I reached a plateau, like, okay, you know, I'm there, I've evolved, I've done it. And now that I'm older, I know the journey never stops. The best you can ever do is just maintain a state of open mind about learning about your own issues with oppression, both racial and sexual. And that's uh, that's all I got to say. Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mark. Yeah, this is a lifelong endeavor. Obviously, some of these problems that plague us, poverty, homelessness, assault and violence, probably not solved in our lifetime. But that doesn't mean that it won't ever be solved. And it certainly doesn't mean that we can, those of us who are able, can work to, to end these things. And many people, you know, you spend a lifetime working against poverty and you try not to burn out and you make your time on earth very meaningful. So I, I understand your journey. And it reminds me, too, of the man who called in earlier, Louis, who shared his own experience with uh, violation and rape. And I really hope that you reach out and get some help. And not that you need help, but share more of your experience and become well enough to be uh, a soldier in the fight against violence against men's violence against women. So I appreciate both you calling in. 1-800-958-900 is the number to call. We are live. We have about uh, 10 minutes that we can take calls. So 1-800-958-9008 is the number to call. This is Full Circle. My name is Vilma V. Um, on our interview, we talked about with Gabriella, the five ways to intervene as a bystander. And I just want to go through them very quickly again. And they're in a specific order, like she said, distract, delegate, delay, 
document, and the last one is direct intervention. There's a lot of things you can do before you decide to directly get involved. So distract, you can imagine, you know, mention talking to the person who's being harassed directly and say, hey, um, aren't we supposed to go have coffee now? Or, or why are you talking to him? We're late. We need to get to the theater. You know, distract. Delegate. Talk to someone um, else. Say, hey, uh, can you help me go talk to this person? Delay. There's uh, many ways to just kind of slow things down. And of course, document. Okay, one eight, the number to call is 1-800-958-9008. And I'm going to take my next caller. Go ahead. You're on the air with Full Circle. Chris. Or, yeah, Chris, are you able to be with us, Chris? The number again is 1-800-958-9008. I'll say this, I'm live and I'm in a new, I'm in the KPFA studios first, (laughs) which is fantastic, but I'm in a new situation, so a lot of stuff is trying to, you know, figure out. Uh, if I get the calls on and I get the right screen up. Okay. Um, Chris Monte from Rio, you're on the air with Full Circle. Go ahead. No, I'm Chris and I live in Monterio. But Got it. I'm enough. sorry. I realized that when I said it. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing tonight? Um, thanks for calling. Go ahead. I'm doing great. Um, I have um, like a childhood history of assault and as a young woman I was assaulted and then later I became um, provider of health care at a county hospital and I worked in a woman's clinic um, in San Francisco and uh, while I was there the doctors always said well yeah you know there's some domestic violence here but it's nothing like people say and hmm. I said well have you watched them and so we started asking we went from maybe six percent of reported domestic violence or intimidation or threats being experienced in these women's lives to when it was asked and they had to document that they had asked every patient. It went from around three to six percent to somewhere between 50 and 60 percent. Oh, wow. Some of the current domestic violence or intimidation or horrendous other things that were going on. And until they were asked, and someone sat there and just acted like it was okay to say something. And also we had to have certain rooms that we had patients transferred to that had a back exit so that when uh, we said they needed another exam and that they were going to be in this room and the the, uh, the person they were with who was um, the the person who was victimizing them was watching the door, they weren't realized we were getting the woman out the back. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has to change in our healthcare system. The denial level of healthcare providers is astonishing. Um, the doctors were absolutely flabbergasted at the volume of domestic violence that was going on right under their nose that they didn't know. Fantastic point. Thank you for raising that issue, Chris. Yes, people have to be asked specifically. It reminds me of some of the advocacy I did when I was at the women's building and I was, uh, in a meeting with Mujeres Unidas, who's also part of the, um, the women's building. And 
a lot of times they said when they spoke to women, Latin American women, about abuse, they would often say, oh, no, I'm not abused. I'm, you know, no physical, no emotional. And then after a while, they would talk to the women, couple weeks, classes, and they would learn the women what a, emotional abuse was. And they would realize, yes, they were facing coercive control, facing emotional abuse, maybe not so much physical abuse, but a lot of times women were unaware because maybe they had seen their mother being treated that way, their aunts, everyone in their family. So they didn't realize that, hey, that's not how a healthy relationship works. They would actually be clueless about that. So what Chris brings up about the education, it's just a whole spectrum. I mean, some people have no idea or in denial, like many doctors, and um, men and other people are uniquely aware of the problem so there's a whole spectrum of that and we hope that shows like this and having a month devoted to sexual assault awareness will be able to bring um, this issue more um, okay so it, it looks like we have another caller Okay, we would like to, the, before I take another call, I want to let you all know that at the Full Circle um, website or kpfaapprentice.org, we're going to have links to resources, and that includes the California Partnership to End Domestic Violence and also hotlines. That's all going to be on the on the kpfaapprentice.org so make sure and you can also of course um go on your own and find the services although i know that's harder to do but now i'm going to turn to someone who's called and um call us back luis you are on full circle go ahead hi um so i was listening to the mentioning of the culture and sexual violence and gendered violence in the culture. And it reminded me of Gloria Andaldua's um, The Borderlands, this bridge called my, or as well as this bridge called my yes. back. And just how, um, I guess, the normalization of the patriarchy and sexual violence in the culture. And I'm just curious as to the mentioning of the youth there's so much queer youth today and i feel like me personally i had an experience of sexual violence as a kid and now growing up that challenged my views on my sexuality and gender identity and so i'm non-binary but i still want to move forward and help the cause i suppose it's just so um, so internally conflicting when I used to identify as a man. And later in the show, I remember the poem by the, the gentleman that kept repeating, man, man, man. And it just seemed kind of, it, it did remind me of the um, white male savior complex and how there's so much men trying to add their two cents in, in helping. And I don't know, it, I guess the, cause she did mention that it was, um, it's obvious and it's able, you're able to tell when, when help is being genuine, mm -hmm. but that's just something that I personally 
Well, um, I, I think you bring up a really important point because we've got to remember that violence is, is not heteronormative, right? It, there was a myth that there is no domestic violence between, let's say, lesbian couples or between gay men. And of course there is. There are healthy relationships and there are unhealthy ones. And whether you're gay, straight, bi, non-conforming, binary, non-binary, or even asexual, you can find yourself in an unhealthy relationship. And the violent spectrum can move from physical violence, you know, to down the scale to less, um, to although can be as as da- uh, damaging, but to um, you know verbal assaults and things of that nature. The idea, the main point though, being is to raise awareness that of course this happens in every type of relationship and it happens across the age groups. You know, we find uh, lots of folks have found that sometimes some healthy some high school relationships can be very unhealthy and these are kids just starting out or middle school so the whole point of the show the whole point of sexual assault awareness month is to bring these issues uh, to the fore so that people can talk about them and be aware of them because problems like this won't go away unless we face them directly so i really appreciate you calling and sharing that i don't want to be too heteronormative i want everyone to be aware of this problem regardless of the relationship you're in so thank you thank you for calling i appreciate all the people who have called sorry a little bit about some of the technical stuff we are in a new studio and there's a lot of changes happening here at kpfa which is great when we open up again there's going to be some really nice computer equipment but first we got to figure out how to um work it but this brings us to the end of tonight's show. Uh, remember to check out the website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show because all the links will be there and there'll be information concerning preventing men's violence against women and sexual assault. So I know people called in and were interested in that. We have links. So you'll find the links there and other resources that are archived. I want to shout out to my engineer tonight, Ms. Mickey Mays. My name is Vilma V. One final shout out to the Full Circle crew, our executive producer, Ms. Joy Moore, uh, Ms. M, our executive producer, Joy Moore, our production consultant, and Free Will and Franklin, of course. Free Willen, the best technical director out there. Um, this show is Full Circle. I have been your host tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to please protect your health and our humanity and stay tuned to KPAFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita, so you can get your music on. And remember, we together can prevent men's violence against women. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend, everyone, and uh, good night.